morning, IBC family. It's a glorious day, isn't it? Before we dig into the word this morning, we have a very special guest with us today. Many of you do not know her, and we want you to know her because she's an important person. She is a woman who has dedicated her life to the service of the Lord. She is one of our supported missionaries, and she is with the organization, mission organization, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and she has moved around uh, along the way in her career. Currently, she lives in our state. She's kind of close to us, but the mountains separate us, so we don't see her all that often, and every now and then, she drops in, and when she drops in... She drops in, baby. This woman is a force and just so appreciated. She, when she comes and visits, she acts like she's one of us. She just jumps in, and as Pastor Aaron pointed out, when there's a need, she sees it, she goes after it. I was blown away, Bev, when you did that that time, and you were running after printers and helping us with all kinds of stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, IBC family, would you please welcome back in our midst, Bev Staley. Bev, come on up. And we're good to go with the video. All right, Bev's going to share a few minutes with us. You may stand right here, and if you want to use the Word of God, just preach, and I'll sit. Hey, you got covering right here. You're clear. Yes. Hold it nice and close. Hold on. Oh, it's muted. I bet it's muted. Let me see. Let me see. There it is. Hi there, people. My name is Beverly. I call myself the hillbilly nurse, and that makes people remember me. Okay, my family moved here to Bagley Creek. How many of you know where Bagley Creek is? Excellent. I went to Fairview School. That was before it became the Christian school it is today. How many people went to Roosevelt? Yay! I went to Roosevelt. Did you really? You taught there. You went there. Okay. And then, of course, Port Angeles High School. How many people went there? Yay! Good. All right. From there, I went to Biola, went into the nursing program. That's why I call myself the hillbilly nurse. My great-grandmother is from the hills of Tennessee, and I can get away with it. Then I got a degree in MIS, and then I looked for a mission organization that did both, nursing and computers, found Wycliffe, joined Wycliffe, learned sign language, went around the world doing sign language survey because at that time they had the rule, you can't translate a language unless it's on the books as a valid language. So I did demographics for 80 countries and surveyed 40 countries, didn't go to all 40. Then I got involved in sign language translation. I jump-started four projects, Jordan, Egypt, Ireland, and Kenya. Three of those projects are still going today thanks to the partners. So you've got to have those partners. Now, I am passionate about missions. Just passionate, can you tell? I'm also passionate about training. My current job with Wycliffe is putting classes online. How many of you have ever taken a class online? Excellent. That's what I do. I put those classes online. 
I just finished a 98-module class online for a computer program called Paratext. Paratext is used for Bible translation. So if you have to be certified in it, you take 140 of those 98 modules I put on. The other thing I do is make short animated videos. So they're going to put the animated video up on the screen afterwards, and I'll be down here if anybody wants to talk about it. Now, I really like what you said about you got to be all in. Count me in. Do you know what's happening right after this class, right after church gets out? Ecuador, yes. This church sent me out on my very first mission trip in 1978. Now you know how old I am. Okay, 1978, it meant I could count the costs for what it means to be a missionary. Even if you're not going long-term, go on one of those short-term missions. It's worth it. It's life-changing. He's nodding his head. I think my time is up. (laughs) I was nodding in my head because I agree with you. I didn't know you were going to stop already. Okay, this woman, yeah, she brought a video. We heard about it this morning. I go, how long is it? Six minutes. I'm going, ooh. We're going to show it at the end, and I can't wait. So when we're dismissed at the end, we're going to show that video. Bev, thank you for coming. Let's pray for her. Let's pray for our sister. Lord, thank you for this dear saint who has served you. Lord, we even heard some of the story, your story in her life of how you directed her. Lord, and it is unspeakable even the things you've accomplished through her. Lord, uh, equipping people to serve you with greater impact because of that training. Lord, thank you for gifting her with the gifts you've given her. Thank you for her faithfulness and obedience, Lord, to follow your leading in her life. That all these years, Lord, she has persevered in the things that you have given her to do. We pray now, Lord, that you will continue to sustain her. Give her your wisdom. Give her direction, clarity in that. And then by your spirit, empower her to fulfill, to continue to fulfill those tasks that you have given her to do. Lord, we ask your blessing upon her life even today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I got a couple things. Would you? There's, the, there's that. Would you give that to Aaron? Thank you, Beth. It doesn't work to whisper to somebody up here with this thing on. It's not right. Would you open your Bibles to Jude, please? Jude, the little book of Jude. It's right after 3 John and right before Revelation. So we're going to jump into Jude this morning, and we're going to just study a whole book all in one sitting. So we're going to rip. Are you ready? Let's do it. Um, I haven't studied Jude like I have in preparation for this. And the more I study, the more I find. This thing is loaded with goodness. Jude is an amazing writer. Literarily, this thing is a piece, it's a masterpiece in the way he put this together. And so the more you dig in, the more you're able to extract from it. 
We're not going to go deep all the way in this. Uh, we'll, do a, we'll, we'll plunge in here and there, but just kind of give a survey of what is going on. It is a call to persevere. That's what this is about, a call to persevere in the faith. Keep, and that's the bottom line that he brings in his letter. And there's reasons that he spells out as to why he chose this topic. In fact, he was not originally going to talk about that. He was going to talk about us and our common salvation. We were going to, he was going to just bask with us on our salvation that we have in Christ. But he goes, no, 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 I got to change because there's other stuff going on that you got to be aware of and to help you persevere in the faith. That's what this is about. First of all, who is Jude? Jude was the son of Joseph and Mary, full-blooded son of Joseph and Mary, meaning he was the half-brother of Jesus. Now, there are a couple places in Scripture where there's a reference to these guys, Jesus' brothers. When they were growing up, they didn't buy it. They didn't buy it. They were not big fans, fanboys of Jesus, their half-brother. I wonder what that was like in that home. Remember that, that, that piece where when Jesus is 12, they go to Jerusalem, and then they're coming home, and they go, oh, wait, where's Jesus? And he's not with them. And they have to go all the way back, and they find him with the church leaders having these arguments, discussions, and, and so they, they lost a lot of time having to go back to get their brother. He was the oldest, by the way. Maybe that helped. But I just cannot imagine uh, what those brothers would have been saying if they didn't buy it. Now, mom and dad knew who Jesus was, but the brothers didn't. And so as they grew up together, the, the conversations in that home had to have been interesting at different times until Jesus rose from the dead. And then everything changed. Everything changed. Jude became all in on who Jesus was and who Jesus is. He was all in. He was a follower and it's so interesting, in the very first line of Jude, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about my brother. I am his servant. He's all in. He's all in. He knew who Jesus was. And a brother of James. Goes on to say, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. It's packed. There's a sermon right there. If we just stop and we bask, we take a bath in these words that Jude is bringing to you and to me, we go away going, whoa. The truth of these words makes all the difference in our lives. It helps us to face the things that we need to face in our life, and it calls us to great mission in our lives. You'll notice it's very interesting. This is the way he writes. He does everything in, in threes, in triplets. 
All through, the pattern is in threes. It's pretty cool. I mean, he would have been a great preacher. So we're going to have a three-point sermon today in honor of Jude. (laughs) You see how he says, uh, who are called, who are beloved, and who are kept. May mercy, peace, and love. There they are in threes and triplets. Here are the three main points we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about who we are, and we'll talk about those words. And then we're going to talk about the dangers. What was Jude referring to? Why did he change his message from let's talk about salvation to talk about persevering in the faith because of the dangers that we face? It's number two. And number three is the charge. A charge, the call to persevere. What is the charge that he gives us? That's where we're going to go in the message this morning. So here we go. Number one, who are the called? Or who are we? We are number one, we are the called. Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for them who are the called according to his purpose. The called. We are the called. Anybody who is a believer in Christ, a Christ follower, you are called. We won't dig deep on this. But just if you stop and just meditate on that, that you are called by God unto himself. You are called into salvation through Jesus Christ by the Father. You are called. He has selected you. You have a special place in his heart. The next one is beloved in God the Father. Beloved in God the Father. I wasn't here the week that Nick Seedorf shared. And I understand you talked about beloved. So he's already said it. I don't need to go into this. John 3.16 talks about how much God loves the world. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore... I have continued my faithfulness to you. This thing of beloved is a fondness. It's a godly, it's God having this fondness for you. He thinks of you fondly. No matter what you do or don't do, he thinks of you fondly. He loves you that much. It is worth this week just to stop and ponder how much God loves you. A, a, a number of few years ago, Pastor Mike spoke on the power of love. And I remember Pastor Mike, you opened with what's the most powerful weapon on earth. And that's what it is, love. And you talked about that. And I, that message hit me so hard of God's love for me, I had to stop and pull over on my way home because bawling. Because of how much God loves me. I know who I am and what a dirtbag I am. (laughs) This thing of the flesh is just wickedly nasty, isn't it? We talked a lot about that. But God loves you. He knows you. He made you. He loves you, loves you, loves you. He's fond of you. Next, we are kept for Jesus Christ. We are kept 
2 Timothy 1 tells us, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 1 Peter 1, blessed be the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's ultimate salvation waits for us. It's being guarded. You are being kept by the Lord in himself. In John, we read where Jesus says, you are my sheep and nobody can pluck you out of my hand. You are the father's sheep and nobody can pluck you out of his hand. I and the father are one. We are kept. We are safe. The next thing we read in here is mercy. Peace and love be multiplied to you. (laughs) Mercy multiplied to you. Not just may the mercy be applied to you. May mercy of God be upon you. No, multiplied. Over and over and over again. Multiplied, not added. Multiplied. That's an exponential sense there. Over and over again, may his mercy apply to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His mercies are new every morning. When you mess up, his mercy is there. His mercy is bigger than anything you can do wrong. His mercy is bigger than everything that you do wrong. Oh, praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Peace multiplied. His peace multiplied. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace multiplied, not just peace to you. God go with you, go in peace. Not peace added to you, no, peace multiplied. May you live in peace. May you not have tension in your life, even in your struggle against the sin, against the enemy, against the world that is all against you, may you find peace in the midst of the battle over and over again. In other words, peace then, because it's been multiplied to us, we ought to be people of peace. We should be marked by peace. People ought to be able to say to you, Man, you, you are facing such tough circumstances. How can you be at such great peace? I just see peace coming out of you. What's going on? Amen? That's our lives. That's a peace being multiplied to us. Love multiplied to you. May God's love be multiplied to you. There's so much in the word of God about how much he loves us. Over and over again, how much God loves us. John, 1 John 4, so we have come to know and to believe that the, that the love that God has for us, 
God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It's just basking in the love of God. But I believe that because in our humanity, we have this tendency and a propensity to dwell horizontally. And it's in our face all the time. Oh, how we look forward to the day when we're freed from the tensions of earthly living. When we're together in heaven and all that tension's gone and we're free completely from the flesh and all these things that are against us. But God says, I want you to have that peace even now. That's why his peace is multiplied to you over and over and over again, not just added, but exponential peace upon you and in you. This, my brothers and sisters, this is the preface for this passage. This is who we are. All these wonderful things, all these, and they are true for our lives. If we would stop and just dwell on these things every day, we would be empowered to go through. You know what I find, though, sometimes? I'll have these times in the morning, rich in the word of God, rich in the truth of who I am in God's family and in a right relationship with him. And an hour later, wham, a circumstance takes me out. And it's like, you know what? At lunch, I need to go be by myself (laughs) and start over again. Oh, praise God for his mercy. (laughs) Amen? Mm. This is who we are. But why is he bringing this? Why is, why is Jude bringing this to us? He says, I was going to talk about salvation, but no, there's other things going on that I want you to be aware of. The bulk of this little book now goes into all the stuff for us to be aware of. There are dangers lurking everywhere, even inside the church. And you need to be aware of them. And so here we go with the dangers. Let's read. We're going to start with verse 3, and we're going to go to verse 16. Here we go. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal life. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but it said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they 
like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively, woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love. Okay, so he's been referring to people in the Old Testament and they were judged because of the sin that was all up in there in their lives and the things that they were doing. Now he's going to do some really fun literary pieces in here, very imaginative uh, um, vision uh, imagery that's in here of how these things are danger if we're not careful. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Okay, there's a whole lot in there. <laughs> we're going to now dig all in. No, we're not. We're not doing that. All I can say is he is talking about beware. Be very careful because it can happen inside your bo- in the body. It can happen inside and it can happen from outside. It's all around us. Ungodly people. People who pervert the grace of our God. They deny the deity of Christ. These Old Testament examples, the Israelites, fallen angels, Sodom and Gomorrah, Cain, Balaam, Korah, grumblers, malcontents, followers of their own sinful desires, loudmouth boasters, those who showed favoritism for their own gain, scoffers following their own ungodly passions. All those things are in there. They are worth taking a look at and go, okay, how do they apply to me today? Well, so what are the dangers? I think the dangers are people or ideas that move God's people away from the faith. Any influence that would take you and and help you to doubt the faith. Somebody said this, the intrusion of libertines. A libertine is somebody who takes great liberty, especially of the flesh. The intrusion of libertines refers to outsiders who would poison the church and who should be rejected. These apostates, apostate mean they have fallen away, were not followers of Christ who had erred. They didn't just make a mistake, but intruders who did not belong and who sought to wreck the believer's faith. They can be a stumbling block to Christ's followers. That's what we're talking about. And Jude is saying, be alert. Be on guard for these things. The four things I would say, categorizing what these all are, number one is rejecting authority. That's in here. The Israelites did this. They rejected authority. We see that in Sodom and Gomorrah. They disobeyed, they followed their own flesh and so forth, and they paid the penalty of that. Rejecting authority. You guys, is this not happening in our own culture? 
in preparing and thinking and meditating and praying about this, I wanted to talk about our culture, but I hesitate to use the word culture because culture is a beautiful thing that God has created. But inside our culture, and in all cultures, there is a piece in there that is not right before God. It is evil. And we see it. The narrative that is out in our culture today is very ungodly. And the resistance and the casting off authority, y'all, is one of the scariest things in our country today. Because when you cast off authority, all hell breaks loose. Chaos. Our country is descending into chaos. It's where we are going. Yeah, God can intervene, and our country can repent, and we can return. But the end times tell us that's probably not happening. This is where we're going. But may it not be true of the church. May it not be true of the church. And this is what Jude is saying. Reject it. Do not allow that attitude to come into our church where we reject authority. God has placed authority where it belongs for a reason. We see it in society, even outside the church. We need it. Imagine if there were suddenly no more law enforcement officers anywhere. They all quit. Police, troopers, sheriffs, they all just said, I'm done. I want you to know I'm a follower of Christ. I'm all in. But my own driving habits would probably be be scary. (laughs) And I hope that I'm a person who has some constraint because I have the Holy Spirit in me. But even I, I know I would be taking liberties. But because there's an authority structure, I could pay a penalty if I disobey. And that's a light example. May we not allow any hint of casting off authority in our church. Number two, walking in error. Walking in error is another danger. It says, in the way of Cain. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Yeah. Cain offered a plant-based sacrifice. Couldn't help it. God wanted a meat-based <laughs> sacrifice. Okay, that's just wrong. <laughs> so, but the serious part of that is, God had prescribed a way to offer sacrifices, and Cain said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And it just says straight up in Scripture, God was not pleased. He did not accept it. Because it was not what he had said to do. So when we talk about walking in error, Cain walked in error and he thought it was pretty good because he was a farmer. He produced these things, so he brought the best of what he had. But God said, that's not what I said to do. And he walked in rebellion in his own way and became so bad that he ended up in jealousy killing his brother. It led to murder. 
May we not be walking in our own way. And as we fellowship with one another and we meet with one another, we talk with one another, we're in Bible studies together, may our ways be godly ways, biblical ways. And if we have a sense of somebody in our circle that has a way that we're going, wait, that's not lining up with Scripture, call it out. Because you are protecting that individual from a Cain thing. There are many times in our thinking, in our logic, this ought to make sense. Remember those two guys that were helping take, bring the ark back with King David? And it was on the cart, and it went through a, a hole or something, and the whole thing teetered. And these guys reached out and grabbed it to steady it. And God struck them dead. Because God said, nobody's touching that except for the ones that I say touch it. And those guys weren't on the list. But in their way of thinking and in my way of thinking, I remember first reading that story going, Lord, what? They were just trying to help. You know what? In our human thinking, that makes sense, doesn't it? And we go, man, God's harsh. You know, God had laid it out already. God's bigger than an art teetering on a wagon. He's sovereign God. I don't need to, to, to prop up the Lord. He's got it. And so even if it doesn't make sense to me or I think I, I'm smarter than God somehow and he needs my help, watch out. This is walking in error. Number three, leading falsely. He's, he's referring in here, Jude is, to leaders who made a mockery of the Lord's Supper of communion. They would come and feast and all this and then they would go into the Lord's Supper and they abused it. Talks about shepherds who feed themselves rather than feed the sheep. Leaders who are in leadership for their own gain. Watch out for those. False leaders. Don't be a false leader. Number four, pleasing self. The pleasing of self. This is the ungodly, grumblers, fault finders. Follow their own evil desires. They bragged about themselves. All these things, self-centeredness. Watch out for it. Watch out for it. When you're with people and suddenly somebody's all they're talking about is themselves, watch it. If you come away from conversation, reflect back on what you were saying. Did you always bring it back to yourself? Those are hints because we're egotistical by nature. Our flesh is egotistical as it comes. When we see those things, let's call it out. Let's call it out. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Because I want to read this. Deuteronomy 1, chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. So this is digging into one of the examples that Jude gives us. What's the big deal? Deuteronomy 1, verse 19. So this is about the Israelites after they had been um, liberated from Egypt, brought out of Egypt, and God said, I got a land for you, flowing with milk and honey. It's called the promised land, Canaan. I'm going to take you there. And so they were getting ready to do that, but they had to cross the Jordan River to go in, but there were people that lived there. And so they sent the 12 spies on in to the land, is what they did. Here we go, verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb, 
and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of our fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe, and they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by the way you should go. And the Lord heard your words and was angered and he swore. Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. So what's the danger? God said, I'm providing this land for you. I prepared this land for you. Yeah, there's some obstacles, but don't worry about it because I've got it. Go check it out. They checked it out. Ten of the twelve said, it's freaking us out. Those, it's too big. It's too, the obstacles are too great. We can't do it. Two of the men said, we can do this because God said we could do it. And he's going to help us. And he'll destroy them. But the people said, nope, we're not doing it. And God's anger burned. And that generation died. They never went in. You guys, my brothers and sisters, is there something God is asking you to do these days? Maybe it's talking to your neighbor. Maybe it's building a relationship with your neighbor. Maybe it's making something right with a broken relationship. I don't know what it is. Is God asking you to do something Because he's building his kingdom and he has chosen you to do it. He wants to accomplish it through you and you're saying, no, it's too scary. I don't know about you, but it freaks me out. To place myself under God's judgment because I'm disobedient to his calling on my life. 
This is the danger Jude's talking about. How about for us as a church, IBC family? How about for us, is there something that God is calling this church to? There is a buzz in here. We're all talking about it. God is at work. There is an enthusiasm. There is an excitement. There's a vibe in this place. God is at work at IBC, and I believe it. And we're not the only church he's doing this in. But for what? God has never designed us to sit here and go, yeah, this feels great. Hallelujah. We love this. That's not his. He's on, he's on the move. He is on mission. What is it that he might be calling this church to? And are we listening to his call, whatever that may be? I don't know. But let's be paying attention. Let's be listening individually and corporately to what God has called us to. And you know what? When God calls us to something, it's not a little task where we go, yeah, God, I got this. It's never that. It is always something that's terrifying because it's God-sized. And he says, I want you to do something and I will, by my spirit, empower you to do it. I will do it in you. I'll do it through you. The results will be mine and you're gonna see a magnificent thing take place. The other side of the coin is we go, no, thanks, God. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. And watch his judgment fall. May that not be true. So what's the charge? Those are the dangers. What's the charge? We gotta go quickly. Here we go. This goes back to the beginning of the chapter in verse 3. I've got nine charges. Number one, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. All the other danger stuff we've been talking about is playing defense. Be aware, be alert, watch for them, deal with them when they come, play defense. Now he turns it and goes, now go play offense. Don't be just sitting on your keister. Now it's time to get work. Roll your sleeves up. Here we go. Let's do this. Number one, contend for the faith. What does that word contend mean? We think fight, don't we? It is kind of like that. The Greek broken down means agonize earnestly. To agonize earnestly for the faith. And this word agonize means I'm all in. It's everything. I'm consumed by it. When our daughter was little and she finally got into her own little bed instead of a crib, she was in a bed. And we all know how little kids are squirmy as anything when they sleep. And she was no different. Like, no way she's sleeping in our bed. My goodness, her foot's in here and blah, blah, blah. She's got her own bed. And then she fell out of the bed one night. I thought, ah, what? All right. Then she fell out of the bed again. And I, I got mad. It ticked me off. Not at her, at me. It's like, come on, do something to prevent, your, to prevent your daughter from having a concussion at night. Praise the Lord, he made them with rubber heads. It's great. <laughs> so Sue, when I talk, and it's a simple thing, but you know what? I never wanted my daughter to fall out of bed again. So did we agonize? Maybe. What do we need to do to be sure this doesn't happen? Build brick walls on both sides? We'll do whatever it takes to contend for my daughter's health. All you parents would do the same thing. You contend. And this is what he is talking about. In earnest, agonize over the faith, the gospel message. Guard it. 
learn it, know it, and so forth. Hebrews 4 tells us to let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Cling to the faith, know the faith, know the word of God. Number two, the charge. Heed the apostles' teachings and warnings. We've talked about this, but he says it. Heed their warnings. We just got done studying 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. All through, heed the warnings. There are false teachers. There are antichrists. Be aware of them. Be aggressive in that. That is playing offense. Watch for those and don't allow it to happen in your midst. Number three, build up in most holy faith. Build up in most holy faith. What is most holy faith? The word of God. The doctrines of salvation. The the theology of who God is. Know it. Know God's word. Build yourself up in knowledge of the word of God. Know the gospel. Know it so well that when you hear somebody uh, present the gospel and it has a twist in there, you go, oh, wait, no, 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 uh-uh. Because what you just presented has a little element where you have to earn something before God. When the gospel, God's already done all of it. Jesus did it all. There's all we need to do is respond in faith. And if you say anything else other than repent and confess and believe, then it's twisted. Build up in the most holy faith. Be in the word daily. Soak it in so that it becomes more and more a part of who you are. Number four, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Corey, did you finish your study on praying in the Holy Spirit? Have you done that? We've been talking about this because it's, it's quoted in scripture around. We've been talking. And Corey's going, I'm going I'm to do a study on praying in the Holy Spirit. I was waiting. I was hoping you could give it to me. I could do it now. <laughs> so I have to do a simplistic thing. Praying the Holy Spirit, by the way, is not speaking in tongues. Just say it right now. Sounds charismatic. Praying the Holy Spirit. It's just praying in line with the Holy Spirit. Be in line with him. Be in a right relationship with the Father. Be dependent upon him as you pray. If you're angry with your brother or sister and you're praying a curse upon them, may they stub their toe today, you're not praying in the Spirit. (laughs) Sorry, it ain't happening. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Align yourself with him. That's how we pray. And if you're not sure, ask him to help you do that. Lord, help me. Spirit, give me the words to say as I pray. Okay? Next one. Number five. Keep in the love of God. Keep in the love of God. We already said his love being multiplied to you. Now it's us. Keep in his love. John 15, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will, and so forth. That whole chapter is about abiding in Christ. That's what it's talking about. Stay plugged in. Walk with him. Seek him in your life. We read in John 15, 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus talking. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in, and abide in his love. Stay abiding in the love of God. Number six, look for the mercy of God unto eternal life. That's what it has in this passage. Look, watch for the mercy of God unto eternal life. The end is coming. 
Hang in there. Persevere. Don't give up. Keep trusting him. Keep walking with him. I'm reminded of that parable Jesus told of the 10 ladies, the 10 uh, brides. They were waiting for the grooms to come. And they waited, and it was dark, and it was at night, and they were waiting and waiting, and they weren't coming. Five of them gave up and went to sleep. The other five kept their, their lamps lit. They kept waiting, and the groom showed up. And the other five lost out. God is saying, don't quit. Don't quit. You wait. The day is coming. The day of fruition, when you will have my salvation ultimately in heaven, you hang in there. So keep looking, keep waiting, keep watching, keep the faith. Number seven, show mercy to doubting Christ followers. Show mercy to those who have doubts. I just love that this is in the Bible. I love that. Because every person in this room has had doubts. Is God real? Is this all made up? I have. God, are you really there? Have mercy on those who doubt. I love it. What does that mean to have mercy on somebody who doubts? It means don't condemn them. It's like, how dare you? Come on, man, what's wrong with you? It's like, hey, let's pray about that. Boy, let's pray about that. Let's pray that God will bring something to help confirm so that you can end the doubt. Or let's look in God's word and see what his promises are and restore your faith and confidence in who God is. Number eight, snatch unbelievers from the fire. Snatch, what a word. Snatch unbelievers from the fire. This is really the great commission. Go after those who don't know Jesus yet. This is being aggressive. This is being, going on offense. Go after those who are perishing. Those who have no hope, go after them. And number nine, show mercy with fear. Be careful. Because some people can, to, can take you out. You go to help somebody, be careful. Galatians 6.1. When a brother has a fault, you who are spiritual, go to restore such a one. But be careful, lest you also be tempted. Be careful. You know, a drowning person, I don't know how many of you have taken um, a lifeguarding class. I grew up in the Amazon River. We swam all the time. We were required to take the class. We had to take the class. And one thing we learned is that a drowning person is a very dangerous person because a drowning person is in full panic and they're thrashing around, thrashing around. And if you get into their clutches, they will take you down with them. That's what this is talking about. There are ways to approach that person from behind and so forth and you can save them, but be very careful. And we're being exhorted that as we go after those who are hurting, whether it's a fellow believer or a non-believer, when we go after them, be careful. Maybe it's better to have somebody else with you, but go in prayerfully, go in dependent upon the Lord. Don't think you can go do it by yourself. 
do it in his power only. Show mercy with fear. So, there we go. This book is like a sandwich. Hey, here's who you are. Wonderful. God loves you. You're the called. And then watch out because of all these things. Be careful. But then there's some things you can do about this. Go after it. Be aggressive. Get on the offense and go after it and seek the Lord. And you'll see him do amazing things. The ultimate model who lived this out before for us is Jesus Christ. He did this very thing. He was called, he was loved, and he was kept. He was called. The father said to the son, I have a task for you to do. We know that it was a command because we read in Philippians that Jesus was obedient even unto death. He was obedient. We read in John 17 where Jesus is praying. He's talking to the Father and he says, I have done all that you asked me to do. Jesus was called to a task. His task was not easy. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he is sweating drops as though they are drops of blood in anguish. We see him in his life as he ministered, he got tired. We see that when he was tempted, in fact, at the beginning of his ministry, he went out into the wilderness and the devil met him there. And the devil basically said, hey, I'll give over all this to you. I'll get out of your way if you'll do these things, Jesus. And it was a temptation and Jesus fought the temptations. He fought the enemy with scripture. He knew scripture. He knew the doctrines. He knew the faith. And he fought against temptation with the word of God. And he prayed. He pulled himself away to pray at different times, to get away and to rest. He did all those things. He, was, he had the challenges. He had the dangers that Jude is talking about for us. And he made it through. He persevered. Because Jesus persevered, here we are. Because he persevered, here we are. Free, forgiven. We can rejoice. We can praise. We can worship. We can give him all glory. We can walk in our lives every day with great hope, with great peace and great love because Jesus persevered. Thank you, Jesus. What an example. But he's not only an example because the reason he did that gave us life. And we celebrate that life. In fact, he said, I want you to never forget what I have done for you. Lord, we give you all praise, Jesus, that you persevered through all the threats, all the dangers. And Lord, you did not come out unscathed. They killed you. Lord, you died. 
We know that was the plan. And yet, Lord, so many times we don't want to suffer. We don't want persecution. We don't want hardship. We want ease because that's how we're made, Lord. Our flesh just, we want it easy. And yet, Lord, you are glorified most in suffering, it would seem. And so, Lord, this morning we say to you, here we are. We offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice even now. And by your spirit, empower us to endure whatever it is that comes our way. Help us, Lord, to be astute observers, astute students of your word, guardians of the faith, guardians of your pure doctrines. Lord, that you would shine through each individual here and that you would shine through this, your church, for your glory that would draw other people to yourself, not into our club, but into your family, that your love and your mercy and your grace would be multiplied to them as well. Oh Lord, we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory in the precious name of Jesus, amen.